Welcome to Lauren Robert's Left Peg, the brand new Newcastle United podcast brought to you by AMS Media. Myself, Harry Simu, and renowned journalist Harry DeCosimo will be dissecting the biggest stories from St. James's Park on a weekly basis. In case you didn't know, there's a takeover in progress. Harry, welcome to the show, mate. How are you? Hi, Harry. Thanks for calling me renowned, first of all. That's, uh, that's a lovely intro. Thank you very much for that, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Fully deserved, my friend. Fully deserved. You know that. Harry, there's a takeover going on at Newcastle United. People are excited about it. People can't wait for it to get over the line. I guess it's more so a case of them just being fed up with Mike Ashley. Well, that was the case previously, but is it now a, a real excitement about these prospective owners? Uh, yes, Um to get it out there, the most important thing for I think for for most fans um, is Ashley leaving. I think um, obviously there are, there are various things within that, but I think in reality, if you ask most Newcastle fans over the last thirteen years, what would they most like? It would be to to see the back of Ashley, the back the the big celebration and the, and all that is 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 has morphed into maybe the excitement over what's happening here, although. There are plenty of moral issues, as, as I'm sure you've been aware, been made aware of, and things surrounding that. But overall, I think it's it's a blend of both. But Mike Ashley leaving is is the first and foremost the most important thing. I think to the majority of Newcastle fans, at the very least. Absolutely, couldn't couldn't agree with you more, Harry. Let's talk about uh, some of the developments, uh, some of the latest developments, and that being what's happened with B in Sports. Now, of course, uh, their head has written a letter to the Premier League urging them to really interrogate these prospective owners because um, of what's going on out in the Middle East. They say that the Saudi Arabian government have been, uh, I guess, aiding uh, the theft of Premier League rights by supporting pirate TV. Um, it feels to me like this is an opportunity for B in sport to put their case, which they, they quite rightly have a, a grievance about, in the public domain, rather than them actually thinking that they can stop this takeover. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I don't. I think from what I've heard and what and what people are saying, um, that this isn't going to be an impact of you know stopping the takeover or anything like that, despite that being what they've asked. Apparently 19 clubs um, have been written to and, you know, asked to be backed and things, uh, asked to sorry, asked to back them, and uh, this is obviously linked to PSG's owners, uh, Nasser Al Khalifi. He's the uh, got a, some a lot to do with BN Sports in in Qatar. Um, I don't really know the ins and outs of, of of how it works, and you know, piracy. Of course, they'll have they'll have a, a case to be put to if if they've been if there's wrongdoing. Um, but the information that I think is worth hanging on to if there are any Newcastle supporters out there who are, are worried that this might derail anything is that you would imagine uh, Amanda Staveley and um, her husband and the Rubin brothers and you know the, the PIF uh, representatives would all you know expect some sort of something along these lines to come along from from this and a lot of roadblocks and nobody has, has said to me or anybody else that, that, that there are any hitches expected um, you know so I, I so I imagine that that this is actually you know not going to affect anything, other than you know maybe um, Qatar getting you know something out of this in terms of you know dealing with this issue. Absolutely, and and I completely agree with you. And I think that 
they've taken this opportunity to put what is quite clearly a serious issue for for B in sports because I can imagine they're losing a ton of revenue if you know in neighboring countries there is a pirate uh, TV service that is being backed by the government as they say that is I guess taking away potential subscribers for them so I, I can't help but look at this and think that this is just it's, it was never with the intention of preventing uh, this particular consortium taking over Newcastle United, but I think they've seized an opportunity to get their problem out in the open. They've seized an opportunity to have their say on a wider scale uh, to a bigger audience and to the Premier League themselves rather than it may be going through third party. So I, I agree with you, Harry. I don't think this is going to impact the takeover in any way. I just think that the guys at B in Sports have taken this opportunity to, to get their point across, to make their point. And I think that's probably the end of of what we're going to hear of this. And I guess you, you'd hope that to be the case, Harry. Yeah, in terms of uh, B in Sports, and, and th- this is something that to me came out of the blue. So I wasn't expecting, I think the, the question I was expecting to be an- to having answer was um, surrounding the moral human rights issues and all those, you know, the, the that, that sort of, more you know political but but humanitarian aspect of of uh, the Saudi Arabian government and what this means and you know those are the things that I think um, were, were what I was expecting to deal with um, and have and have asked and and I, and I think that's right uh, that, that these things are asked as well um, you know I think that that needs these things need to be ironed out before these things happen. Agreed, agreed. They're huge issues and issues that Saudi Arabia has been condemned for in the past uh, by the wider world. And so, you know, this is something that Newcastle, maybe not just Newcastle, but the Premier League need to consider because it could do damage to their brand as well. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, nuances to this and there's a lot of ins and outs. But I can't help but feel that if the money's there and they can prove that that the funds are there, which they obviously can, uh, and that, you know, they pass, I guess, the Premier League's checks, I think the Premier League will probably overlook that stuff, rightly or wrongly. Uh, yeah, I, I think with again going back, I, I don't expect uh, again, rightly or wrongly, that the Premier League will will get involved. The government um, have said today that that they won't get involved. So um, it all comes down to, you know, these arguments about whether Newcastle fans should make their own, uh, art, you know, protests or take their own stands and uh, and things. I think. In reality, if you're talking about things blocking the, the blocking the takeover, as you've said, Harry, I think the majority of these people would 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 agree that if the money's there, unfortunately, in the, in the, the way that the that the modern world is and the way that the Premier League is in its current state, if the money's there, then then it's all go ahead. Absolutely. Let's talk about the takeover itself, Harry. We know that it's at the point now where it's with the Premier League. Um, how long do you think this is going to take? Because we haven't really been given a clear guideline from what I've read. Um, but how long are you expecting this to take? Are you expecting there to be delays given the, the current situation that the world finds itself in? Um, no. Uh, in terms of the coronavirus, I don't think, I think if anything, that's been a, a help more than a hindrance. I don't particularly think it's been a specific help, but it's not certainly not been a the hindrance that, you know, even three or four weeks ago, before this all resurfaced again, having done so in January, um, that this was going to be, you know, that, it, that everyone would have thought that the coronavirus was going to be a major problem. It hasn't proven to be that. Um, in terms of maybe dropping the price and things, the economic situation, perhaps it it has. There's been haggling on on 
on both sides um, regarding that. I think uh, end of April is is likely. First of May, I read today, possibly. Is it all around that time? There was talk of, you know, maybe next week. Well, it was 10 days ago at the time, but now it would be next week. I don't think that's likely. I think you're more likely to hear between, you know, end of April, start of May is, is likely to be where, where it'll be. We've also heard in the last few days that when the takeover is completed, Steve Bruce will be given till the end of the season to prove himself. That's assuming that this season does continue because, of course, there are question marks about that as well. Do you think that's fair? Um, I mean, I know that they haven't come out and publicly said it, but there is a lot of reports, aren't there, that would suggest that Bruce's days at Newcastle United are, are numbered. Yeah, it's absolutely fair that he stays if provided the season is finished. Um, obviously, that's a completely different issue. Uh, I think it, it, it makes sense as a continuity. There was also talk of Lee Charnley, who's been Ashley's right-hand man, that he'll stay and, and there'll be a continuity of a few weeks or months, potentially. Um, but in terms of Bruce, I think he's earned uh, the right not to be sacked straight away unceremoniously um, because he's he's worked very, you know, he's, I, I wouldn't, necessarily say he's worked wonders watching watching the team but in terms of the results he's had he's done a, a lot better than many people gave him uh, you know gave him credit for at, at, at throughout the season but also at the start of the season not many people expect him to do that well um the way he the, the way he came in with two weeks to go to the end of the to the end of the, to the start of the season after Benitez the whole summer was a a complete mess um but long term there's there's no I think nobody is is out there suggesting that Steve Bruce is the man to take Newcastle where uh, the where the the new consortium want want the club to go. It's he doesn't have that track record. Um, you know, there's a degree of like you know this is this is the club was in was up for sale when he came, when he came. Uh, there was backing discussions of another Middle Eastern uh, consortium, uh, not consortium business, the Bin Zayed Group um, coming in, which would have certainly wouldn't he that he wouldn't he probably wouldn't have been their man either so there's always been a bit of trepidation with the club on the market that Bruce could be out of the door at some point I think eventually there's there's no way he'll he'll uh, you know long term be in the seat probably beyond the summer provided the uh, the nine games that are remaining are, are, are completed he deserves the chance if everything is completed to take Newcastle further in the FA Cup if he gets that opportunity but uh, you know Pochettino's been linked, Max Allegri's been linked, Rafa Benitez would be Some an ideal names. and an obvious, an obvious choice. I mean, it, it's really bizarre to sort of think Benitez was a name you're accustomed to because he's been here before, but the other names and surrounding and the players that they've been linked, you know, ESPN reporting that that, that um, I think it was Pochettino and Cavani wanted it. It's just overnight that sort of what, what happens with these takeovers. And it'll take a lot of time for Newcastle to get their head around, but I think even Steve Bruce will, will uh, probably understand that these people are going to want their own man eventually. But I do think he deserves the respect of at least having the you know the first you know the the end of the season or the foreseeable future until he starts to you know the the wheels start to come off in, in a similar fashion to the way that um, Mark Hughes had. I mean, he was there. Mark Hughes was there for eighteen months before um, Mancini came in at Man City. So that that's that's potentially possible, but. Um, but long term, there's absolutely no hope. I think for Steve Bruce uh, to be in the seat, you know, taking the club into the Champions League or wherever, you know, the, the owners hope that it'll it'll go. 
Agreed. And and the thing is, you mentioned the word chance there, that Steve Bruce will be given the chance to complete the season. But I just think from Steve Bruce's point of view, he's got to be looking at this and thinking, what's the point? What is the point in me taking charge of the last nine games or whatever it is, or 10 games to, to, to essentially be sacked? Because there's no way, like you said, that Steve Bruce is going to stay on any longer. If these people have the ambitions that they say they do, then surely... They have to be aiming higher than Steve Bruce. And it just feels like, yes, the respectful thing to do would be to leave him there for the remainder of the season. However, that's a really difficult situation for Bruce to be in, given that he'll probably know within himself, whether he'll say it in public or not is another matter, that actually he will be shown the door at the first opportunity. I think the, the thing, the two things that are in there is one, you get a tasty uh, severance package if he stayed and was sacked rather than resigned and also you know more uh, closer to his heart I would imagine is the opportunity as I said to finish the FA Cup campaign you know it might just be one game because they've got Manchester City at home that was deemed to be a very very tough game before the uh, the hiatus came in it was only a week before that you know there was a real buzz about the first quarter final in 14 and 15 years whatever it was um, at Newcastle he deserves that opportunity and that's what he'll hold on to. But you're right. I think uh, he will know deep down where he stands. Interestingly, when Amanda Savely wanted to take over the club um, at the back end of 2017, uh, start of 2018, um, Rafa Benitez was integral to that. Um, you know, the the, the, the the conversation beginning, he, uh, she met, they met Stavely and, and, and Benitez. Benitez was even supposedly in within the, the written into the agreement almost that he would that he would stay and he would be backed and that was the dream at the time that Benitez with money would be the the ideal situation but you know um at that point there was no possibility of potentially Maurizio Pochettino being an option or Max Allegri being an option you know that that so it, it's no no given that uh, that that Rafa Benitez will walk back in just given the situation that he he finds himself in a uh, tied into a £12 million uh, buyout clause in, in China as well. So whether Benitez can get come out of that, whether he, he's never broken the contract in his life, whether he'd want to, I'm sure he'd want to, but whether he'd feel compelled to stay is a different matter, who knows. But uh, we're all speculating on, on on who will come in until Bruce is gone. Um, and I think it's unfair to say, you know, that, you know to talk about Steve Bruce's uh the future of the club until Steve Bruce is gone because at the end of the day it is all about respect and, and he, he deserves that opportunity because because he hasn't he hasn't done anything wrong um con, you know apart from you know potentially play poor football or whatever but in terms of what he was brought in to do um he's done it so what you know it would be very very harsh to sack him straight away Agreed, agreed. I just can't help but feel that that's the way modern football works now and that's the way business works. And that I guess whilst I completely agree with what you're saying and the sentiments and the values that, that you would wish for the club to upkeep, I just can't help but feel that that may not be the case given what we know of, of these this type of ownership who are no, notoriously the last ruthless. Takeover, the last takeover that happened when Freddie Shepherd and Sir John Hall sold the club to Mike Ashley in 2007 effectively the same situation happened then but not nowhere near the same sort of even level of time um Freddie Shepherd hired Sam Allardyce and then sold the club the week you know Sir John Hall they hired Sam Allardyce sold the club to Mike Ashley a week later so uh, so Allardyce 
uh, is seen as the start of the Mike Ashley era, but actually is the end of the previous era. Um, and he had to work for six months, you know, not knowing whether he would be in the, you know, still in a job. And it, it, it ended up he was sacked in, in January. Kevin Keegan came in because Mike Ashley just wanted to, to, to get going. And I think he was playing a bit of a role at the time. Um, you know, play. You know, playing up to the to the fans, and that's something that you know potentially new owners. You know, you have to be wary of with new owners. Um, you know, whether you know what their, you know, we we don't know what their um their true, you know, um, wishes for the club and what and what they want to do with the club are. You know, so I think that um, there's a lot to be wary of in in, in terms. Of, it's just very funny that that this that this has happened with Bruce in this, in a very similar fashion to the way it happened with Allardyce. Great point, Harry. Great point. And then that's why you're here, because you make great points on a regular basis. Um, let's talk about some of those moral issues. We've touched on them briefly um, earlier on in the conversation. But how do you feel as a Newcastle United fan? Because you are a journalist. You do cover the club very, very closely, but you're also a fan. And so things like this must pull on your, your heartstrings a little bit and must make you concerned about the club's reputation as well um you know it's not just from a perspective of you covering them you you love this football club you've supported this football club all of your life so as a fan take your journalist hat off for a minute how are you feeling about these kind of moral issues i guess that you've raised concerned and conflicted i think everybody um has to be because of what we know or, or believe the, the Saudi Arabian government to have done and, and, and their attitudes to be. And um, I spoke to uh, Nicholas McGeehan today, a, a, an activist, um, and he was very, very uh, helpful and, and, and informative and, and, you know, almost not you know, sympathetic to, 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 to a degree of, you know, understanding why football fans act the way they do. They, they care. They're in their own little bubble. The only thing they really care about is the club. They don't want to look beyond it. Um, so that, that, that explains why people get excited about it but at the same time um, the, the only thing you can do because there, there are two extremes you can either refuse to care at all and go on with it and, and, and not even look at it and just you know give, a, give you know put a blind eye to it or you can boycott the club because it's too much those are the two extremes neither of which are, are very helpful to anybody so the best thing to do I think is to go through it and, and you know you can be Disgusted and, and concerned and, and worried about what is happening with with the uh, human rights records and you know all these things, uh, but also you know look forward to supporting a, a football club again that that you hope would will will strive for better because that is you know purely from a football perspective that is what people in Newcastle have been robbed of. It's it's up to each person to decide whether that's worth it's the price that you pay, which is, you know, accepting these people of, you know, not necessarily accepting, but just moving along with these people um, is, is worth it because the majority of Newcastle supporters, Mike Ashley had a, had a pretty bad human rights record himself, um, you know, with his treatment of sport or has because he's still in charge um, with his treatment of, you know, Sports Direct um, employees. Absolutely, and- Harry. I can tell you, my, my little brother worked for Sports Direct for a, a few months and the things he used to tell me were incredible, yeah. incredible but stuff. The, these, so, but, but, you know, so, it, but no, but no Newcastle fan that I knew was boycotting on the grounds of zero-hour contracts or poor treatment of, of employees. They were, they were boycotting on the fact that the club wasn't performing well on the pitch and, and Ashley wasn't putting the money in making the club go forward 
you know, and making the club get, you know, go towards its its its, its full um, potential. I think that's where there's a question that has to be asked because that's almost guaranteed now. Um, you would think, but you are faced with the reality. There was a very good point, a very good article by Ken Early in the Irish Times, who said that Newcastle have fans have slept, have sleepwalked into. Um, you know, being exploited by Ashley into a degree, so John Hall and, and Freddie Shepherd before them as as capitalist Geordies. Um, but they know full well what's going on with with the Saudi Arabians now, who are coming in and and, and the consortium that are coming in. They know ex- exactly what's going on, so they have to make the moral choice. But everybody has to accept that moral choice that they make. Um, it's up to the person whether they accept it or not, and I think that's the only way you can go about it. But Harry, um, from, from from an outside perspective, are we only going to hear about these moral sort of, I, I guess, crimes and, and things like that if Newcastle continue to not perform on the pitch? Because, you know, people could say the same thing about Manchester City. People will say the same things about Paris Saint-Germain and the way that those clubs have all of a sudden had this huge injection of cash from sources that are, I guess, to say the least questionable. Um Will you, as a fan, be even consider, even thinking about those things if Newcastle are going out there and performing to the highest level, or will it be parked if the the performances are there on the pitch? And is that right? It's not right, um, but it's probably in certain parts of the world. It's probably you know parts of the fan fan base. It will be the reality um, in terms of well, likely to be the reality. That's one of the questions I asked Nicholas. Was does it pain you that? five years down the line at, uh, at Manchester City or 10 years down the line as it is now, you know, where Pep Guardiola's in charge, Kevin De Bruyne, Sergio Aguero, all of these players are, are, are playing. And that's the that's what people imagine Man City of now. Whereas when they got taken over in the manner they got taken over by the Abu Dhabi group and Saudi Arabia now are getting, you know, those questions are only really being asked at the time of the takeover, that the takeover is going on. These things need to be brought back, and these people like Nicholas and these groups and all and Amnesty International need to be listened to, and they need to be respected, and they need to be given the opportunity to do their jobs, which is to put these people in their place to a degree. Um, I do think that the you know the only way forward for for anybody is to is to go down the middle and say we don't we don't agree with what they're doing, but you know we're also not going to give up our football club because you can't expect. Um, anybody to to give up their pride and joy because because of something external like that you can't tell somebody to do that. if they want to do that by themselves that's absolutely their prerogative but that's where it's got to come down to it's got to come down to each person's own choices I'm afraid that's just how it has to be and and that you know nobody um, certainly nobody that I know is 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 thrilled about what these people are doing um, but you know as I say it's it's completely up to each person as to what they do with, with, you know, this information. But they have to find it out for themselves. I think that's the only thing you need to tell somebody do to do is go and find it out. Because I think if you um, shut your eyes to it and shut your ears to it, then then you know that that then you suddenly do become part of the problem. Agreed. Great points again, Harry. Um, people are talking about the, the new Manchester. Uh, I almost said Manchester City there because we've been talking about them. But people are talking about this this new ownership and the fact that you know they go they're going to go out there and bring in the top players and the top managers and it feels like 
it's making lots of headlines all over the place at the moment. But is there a possibility, is there any possibility that actually what they're going to do is come in and be a little bit more conservative than that? And they're not going to go out necessarily and bring in a top manager and five or six top world-class players from the very off. Are, are people getting ahead of themselves? And by people, I mean, are the media getting ahead of themselves? Well, it's just fun and games for the media. The media you know, for the people who are writing these articles, do they really care if, if the rumours come true? It's just part and parcel of the game, I guess. Um, and, you know, Manchester City didn't do that. After Rabinho, which was an opportune moment, and, you know, they took advantage of, of a situation that even Rabinho himself wasn't 100% aware of, but, you know, when he came out and said that he, he was happy to sign for Chelsea. Um, after that, they signed Shea Given, um, who I spoke to a couple of weeks ago about the move. And, you know, he was saying about the club being on the up, but they weren't going out and signing world beaters in Jan in that January Nigel Dion, Craig Bellamy. Um, and then they went up a little bit, but, they you know, in the summer they bought Tevez and Adebayor, but Gareth Barry as well. Um, so they, they, and I was thinking about this actually myself, how many times have Manchester City gone out there and gone and bought a player that everyone goes, wow, they've brought this player in? Probably Rubinho is one. And I think the only other one I can think of uh, where universally it was like, this guy's a world-class player, is Sergio Aguero. I think, if you know, people might say, Yaya Tura, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, David Silva, they're all world-class players, but they weren't brought in as superstar players. They were brought in as very good players who, who then grew into their positions at Manchester City and grew with Manchester City as, you know, as players. They, they haven't gone out and gone and bought Messi. They've not, you know, d despite all these crazy dreams that people had, in, you know, when, when the takeover happened and now having now at Newcastle where, you know, these dream 11s and it was like all Buffon, David, Sil David Villa, <laughs> um, Iniesta. None of that happened other than apart from maybe Aguero. Um, and even Aguero you know, wasn't the star that he is now. But, I mean, he was exactly, a good player at Atletico, but I don't think anybody exactly. foresaw him becoming what he has become. Exactly. And if you put it into context of like Newcastle being, you know, first, third, what was it, favourites or second favourites last summer when uh, the Binzaya group were linked and now again with for Mbappe, if you think about that, that's like the next best player in the on the planet for the next 10 years, the next big world superstar after Messi. Is he going to join Newcastle before they're anywhere near that level? Absolutely not. So to answer your question, long-winded as it is, um, this answer, I think it's going to be good players uh, and a lot of good players under you know the best manager available. But the manager is likely to be to be better than the players. Um, FFP is to a degree going to be a rule, going to be an issue depending on whether they have uh, it's suspended because of coronavirus. Um, but it, but if it's not, then that's going to be. Um, you know, then Newcastle are still in a decent position because because of how little they spent under Ashley, ironically. Um, but there's going to be re re regulations in place to stop them going crazy, even if they wanted to. So, you know, maybe the odd, I think they can spend, uh, someone said they could spend 90 million for the next, I think the plan was originally when Stavey came in 100 million over two windows, which is probably likely. Um, but in this market, you can't get a lot of players for 100 million, for but will the market change, Harry? The market could change given what's going Potentially, on. Potentially, but it's not going to change to the degree of being able to, you know, where it was 15, 20 years ago. So 100 million still isn't going to go and get you the world, world's best players. What you'll see, I think, mainly is 
uh, improvement on St James's Park, fixing potholes and all that stuff, um, and uh, and a new training ground because that's badly being needed. That's something that everybody said, including Rafa Benitez when he was here, that there's need for a, a, a new training ground. I think these things where there's no regulation over over how much you can spend on those, that will be the first thing. A few good players, if possible, um, you know, to complement the likes of Almiron and St Maximin. And, you know, even someone like Isaac Hayden, who I think is a good, honest pro and a, very, and a better player than people think he is. You've had, you had him at Arsenal for a little while, Harry. Um, Jamal Sells. There's, a, there's, you know, Sean Longstaff, Martin De Bradford. There's actually a good, a fairly decent call that's just not been backed up. And, uh, you know, bolting that horse to a degree uh, with, with, some, with some good players, a, a main striker would be lovely because Joel Enton's not done it this season. Um, that's where you're going to get. You're not going to get you know, if you if you want to know if we're gonna if Newcastle are gonna go out and buy the best players in the world, um, if that ever I, I can't imagine I can't guarantee that will ever happen, but it certainly won't happen in the first two or three years. Agreed. Once again, Harry absolutely nailed it. Um, Harry, we should have done this right at the very top of the show, but we got straight into it because there is so much to talk about uh, surrounding Newcastle United at the moment. The takeover, of course, dominating the headlines. But tell our listeners a little bit about you and the work that you do and how they can keep up with it, where they can find you, because they're going to be getting used to this voice a lot over the coming months as, uh, as we produce more and more episodes. So, Harry, fire away. Um, sell yourself, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Harry DeCosmo. Um, you'll find a lot of my articles um, on there. I've done, as I say, the, 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 a lot of coverage of the takeover, the um, interview with Nicholas McGeehan today. Uh, which I think is a very important read for people who don't quite understand where uh, the human rights activists come in, because there's been a bit of a an issue with you know fans taking offence where offence wasn't meant or whatever. That you know it clears a lot of the uh, a lot of the smoke in that regard. And everything will be on my Twitter feed at Harry DeCosmo, and you can uh, you can follow me on there. Brilliant stuff. You can follow me at Harry Simu if you want to, but you don't have to. Uh, you're probably better served following Harry, if I'm completely honest with you. Um, from the two Harrys, that's it for episode one. I um, hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to leave us a review. Don't forget to pass it on to all your Newcastle fan friends as well. And we'll be bringing you another episode next week and every week thereafter, keeping you up to date with the biggest stories from St. James's Park. So until next time, take care. Bye.